Good morning. Welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. I'm your host, John Sumser. And today we're going to be talking with Jonathan Kestenbaum, who is the Managing Director of Talent Tech Labs in New York City. Jonathan, how are you this morning? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Is is it snowing? Is it, it's, it's still winter there, right? So it, it, it snowed this week. I actually flew in from London last night, so it looks it looks nice now. I don't see snow on the streets, but it, we have been hammered with three three or four snowstorms over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's almost April. Um, so would you take a moment and introduce yourself and uh, let people know how you got here? Sure. So uh, my name is John Kessenbaum. I'm the Managing Director of Talent Tech Labs. I'm actually an attorney by education, uh, and I always say entrepreneur by trade. Um, I got into the talent acquisition space in 2009. So I had started a tutoring company, a brick-and-mortar tutoring company, um, and decided to bring it online. And in doing so, I built a reverse auction platform. So a student would ask for help, and then a tutor all the tutors would bid against each other. And so really what I built was it was a template marketplace for tutors. And during that time, I got connected to a number of the staffing executives here on the East Coast because I was building a company out of New York. Um, I ended up selling the company in 2012, spent a few years investing, but quickly realized that if I wanted to make any money, I needed to focus on one particular area. And talent acquisition seemed to be um, an area that had some real opportunity for growth. It was an area that I had a bit of expertise in and had started to, to build a network. Um, I connected to uh, Gene Holtzman, who I connected with um, it, you know, during my days running my tutoring company, and he said, you know, I, I, I know that technology is my strategic advantage. He's, you know, he's a very progressive guy. He said, I want to start an incubator. You know, why don't you come and help me figure this out? And he had already started doing some, some of that work internally. Uh, so around January of 2014, I, I joined forces with, with Gene Holtzman, and, and that was really the beginning of, of Talented Labs. Now, that's awesome. You guys produce fairly routinely a, um, a map of the, I would describe it as the emerging technology space, but, but I think it's a map of the talent. Uh, is is it bigger than talent acquisition, or is it talent acquisition related technology? Yeah. So, so actually, when we started, the first project was, you know, before we try to create any kind of commercial offering, let's let's do some research and, and understand the space and try to map it out. Because I think one of the big issues that Gene was having as a user of talent acquisition technology was getting cutting through the noise because he would, you know, try to implement a new technology, and two of the big problems were. Uh, one, he was oversold, and ultimately companies were under-delivering, and two, um, you know, he wasn't able to operationalize these technologies within his business. So the talent acquisition technology ecosystem, which, you know, today, four years later, has, has evolved, was really about creating a taxonomy so that we could track trends. Um, and that, that was really what we spent the first six months doing. And, and at the beginning, it was really just a, 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 you know, a whiteboard in our office where we put company logos. Um, and, you know, today, each of those, we call them bubbles or sub-verticals, um, you know, have a series of features and functionality and revenue models behind them. And, and uh, the map that we publish, um, you know, publicly is the companies that we um, believe are innovative and influential. So, so this is, if, if I get this right, you are part an investor, 
in part a consulting shop that helps people make um, um, technology acquisition decisions. Is that right? Yes. We, we, we look at ourselves as an advisory firm. So we like to think of ourselves as experts in talent acquisition technology, more specifically emerging talent acquisition technology, but we do, we do obviously have um, some expertise in some of the more established platforms. Um, and, and our goal is to package up that information for different members of the community, um, you know, so that we can educate them on the space. And so we do that um, with startups through an incubator program, and that's six months, and we take equity in exchange for the services we provide. We have a growth stage program, and that's a year-long membership, and they pay for, for access to our information. And then we have an advisory practice for heads of talent, um, and hopefully in the future CEOs of staffing firms where we um, can educate them on what technologies they should be looking at, where the trends are going in the space, et cetera. And how big is the company? So we have eight people here in our New York office and about 15 people spread out throughout the country. Um, so relatively, we still consider ourselves a startup, <laughs> um, but but we um, we like to think we, we punch above our weight class and, um, you know, always looking for interesting people to join our team. That's 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 absolutely fascinating. So, so a, a tougher question: um, um, Is there a conflict between having investments in companies and recommending um, that people use companies? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, what we do is there are two separate parts of our business. So, the, our goal is not necessarily to connect those companies that we work with on the service provider side to the buyers. Um, they really are separate offerings, and to the extent that we're offering advisory services to a buyer of talent acquisition technology, uh, we are always um, very clear that um, when we share a company that we have a um, you know investment in, or or a company that we're working with on a commercial in a commercial way, um, so we really keep those those a, a big um, line between those two things, um, and even our research um, that we share publicly. Um, it's not. It's really not about just our companies. It's about finding the best companies we can uh, to put in front of the, you know the buyers. And there's you, one you, thing you, you, good. I was going to say there's one thing you had mentioned about um, what do we just focus on talent acquisition that I don't think I addressed, um, which is and the and the short answer to that is we just focus on talent acquisition technology to us that's sourcing, engagement, selection, and then core core stuff like onboarding and ATSs. So we ended onboarding. Uh, we chose that area after, you know, in the early days because there was a significant amount of consolidation that had already happened in the talent management space, and we saw a number of point solutions in the talent acquisition space, and we said, you know, it's ripe for consolidation, so there's an opportunity here to, to build some big businesses. That's interesting. It's a complicated, it's a complicated position that you're holding because, because wanting to influence, uh, uh, because, because, uh, you know, one way of thinking about this is that we compete directly with each other. And so, um, um, it's, it's a fascinating, um, set of things that you and I both have to navigate, isn't it? That, that, that yeah. we're interested in, in helping the market mature and we're interested in helping companies get better. I very, very rarely take talent acquisition management people as clients because I can't figure out how to sort through the conflict. Yeah. Um, uh, but, but, but I also understand that that we live in a world full of grown-ups, and 
um, you, you know, when I when I look out at the world, I find it very difficult to to understand um, a company without getting close to them. Right? It's just you, I don't know how you do it. Um, and so, so of course, I know the the companies who are clients or good friends who I've had very long relationships with in one form or another. Of course, I know them better than I know other companies in the space even though I look hard all the time for other companies in the space, there's just so much you can know. And, and so, so it, it's, it's interesting that you're navigating that particular dimension differently than, than we do here. Um, do you use AI in the, um, in the work? So we have a, uh, an internal database that we created that um, we use to track the companies that we look at. It's really like a, a market intelligence tool here internally uh, it helps us to track trends and track all the conversations we're having and the things we're hearing about these companies. Uh, we're not, there really is no, no AI. There's, there's some lightweight um, machine learning in there, but really nothing I would consider AI. Um, but um, we are looking at artificially, you know, companies in the talent acquisition space that use artificial intelligence. Um, and, you know, we, we are definitely interested in those companies, you know, right now. So what are you seeing going on? As we were talking before the the show, you were ta- you were noticing that that there's not a lot of fresh new idea about recruiting and talent acquisition um, currently in the marketplace. What are you seeing? What are you seeing? What, what's interesting, and how do you see AI playing in it? Yeah, so so I am starting to see a bit of consolidation in the space. So you know the there you know if you look at our ecosystem where you see thirty bubbles right and um, not all thirty of those bubbles are areas you can build a billion dollar business or you know billion dollars not necessarily the benchmark even a, a two hundred million dollar business um, but there are a few areas you know like applicant tracking temp labor marketplaces eight, um, CRMs right and so what we're seeing is the point solutions um, like you know, uh, referral technologies, like video interviewing technologies that got any type of scale are starting to, you know, they generally um, kind of hit a point of uh, five to, to seven million dollars in ARR, and then they have to figure out what's next. And so those that got some scale are starting to build either CRMs or ATSs and start to look more like platforms. And so you're going to start to see a lot more of that over the next six months. You're also starting to see some of the ATSs build CRMs, and the CRMs build ATSs. Um, a particular area of interest right now where we're seeing a lot of innovation is in the temp labor marketplace um, space. Um, you know, what, what happened is they all generally started in focusing on SMEs, so small businesses, small and medium-sized businesses. And what they've realized now after a number of years at this is that the unit economics don't work in that area. And so, you know, because there's so much churn in, in the SMEs and they're not using the platform enough. So they're all moving into the enterprise. What that means is they have to play by the enterprise rules. And it's, it's going to be really interesting to see um, how they're able to navigate that, especially considering if you put a request on some of these template marketplaces for work, uh, it's all virtual. None of it really is on-premise labor. Um, so, you know, it's interesting to see whether large enterprise companies will be comfortable with um, the 
you know, the IP risk that they're taking on. But what that means is these template marketplaces are now building what we call freelance management systems. Uh, and you'll start to see them um, launching those publicly in the market, you know, over the next year or so. Um, you did mention AI. So, you know, four years ago, uh, every deck that we looked at said big data. And now every deck we look at says AI. Some are starting to say blockchain, right? These are like the big buzzwords. But, you know, it, would, it makes sense to us that now the systems are collecting big data, you know, they want to use some type of artificial intelligence to make sense of that big data. Um, we did a survey of the companies that we're looking at, so a few thousand companies, and about 73% of them said that they're using artificial intelligence. When we kind of got under the covers, what we noticed was they're mostly using um, natural language processing and machine learning which is artificial intelligence, but it's really the beginnings of artificial intelligence, and it lends itself well to matching and prediction engines. So, you know, we anticipate you'll start to see some better matching, which is, we just put out a, a trend report on matching uh, due to that. Um, but, you know, all this talk about chatbots and, you know, systems that can understand facial movements and have contextual understanding of, of text, you know, I don't believe we'll really get to that until we start to see some deep learning and neural networks um, being built within these apps. And, we, you know, there are some companies starting to do that. Um, but we are, you know, we are actively looking at these companies. We have a few companies in our portfolio that are using uh, artificial intelligence. Um, so, you know, it's definitely something that we're interested in. One of the things that, that, that I think may be true, and I bet we have a difference of opinion on this, one of the things that, that may be true is that Big companies, so um, I was just at IBM all this week, and Workday, and Oracle, and SAP, um, even the, um, you, you know, companies like Ultimate Software are billion-dollar companies now. Um, um, I think Ceridian is probably in this list, and ADP. These companies have depth in their technical departments that a startup can't muster, and they have data in their data repositories that startups can't have. Um, I wonder if, for the first time in 30 or 40 years on this wave of technology, I wonder if the big companies don't have the advantage. Yeah, I, so I agree with you when it comes to matching. I mean, companies, and you're, you're starting to see it already, companies like Google, LinkedIn, Facebook, um, IBM building matching solutions in the market, right? But um, there's also areas, you know, where you could build some scale, building out a point solution that, you know, it, it's hard even with the depth of, of um, you know, of, of technology resources that these companies have. It's just to go this deep in one of these particular areas just wouldn't make sense for them. Um, so, you know, there are opportunities for um, startups to build very specific point solutions that eventually could be integrated into some of these larger platforms. And, you know, you are seeing some of that. I mean, I was with uh, Travis from Ultimate Software this week. I mean, you are seeing some of these large firms, their corporate development functions, looking for innovative solutions. I mean, even companies as large as Workday, um, you know, realizing that, hey, maybe we should start looking at some of these you know, uh, CRMs or, or some of these other applicant tracking systems out there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting time. I think, I think there's room for point solutions in the, 
It, guys, you know, Travis at Ultimate Software is is actually one of the geniuses in the space who's building um, an ecosystem, but surviving as a component of an ecosystem as opposed to having an exit strategy, right? Part of what they're doing with these large, complex ecosystems is distancing themselves from having to make the technical bet of acquisitions that always fail. Um, and so, so the future for small companies to me looks like being a sort of a guppy in a great big aquarium, um, rather than an exit strategy where the aquarium buys all the fish inside of it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that, but you know, many, some of these point solutions are able to get to a point of scale where they're able to build out that underlying platform. And you are seeing some, some companies start to make that transition, um, you know, as they get some scale. So there, there is the, you know, what, some of the stuff that we're looking for is that, is that next ultimate software, right? The next company that can get to a point of scale that they could build a platform. I mean, I do agree with that ecosystem model because I don't think you could out-innovate all the entrepreneurs trying to build interesting solutions in this space. Um, but I do still think that there's an opportunity to build, um, you know, a, a big platform. I mean, if you look at, um, you know, if you, if you look at just um, the, the amount of point solutions and the fact that it's so hard to integrate these solutions, uh, imagine a, a scenario where you have a system that connects all the different point solutions pretty seamlessly, but that's them, they're, they're a, a connector as a service or a platform as a service just to connect point solutions. Now, if you're a Johnson & Johnson, and you want to be able to switch in and out of an ATS without having to worry about data being um, stuck in your ATS. And this system of record had all of your data, and you could plug and play any point solution or any applicant tracking system, and this system would structure the data appropriately for those systems. You know, I could see a world where you could build a platform around that. Or, you know, chatbots. If you have a chatbot, you know, there's really two ways I could see where those kind of things could turn into you know, big businesses. One is they're just, frankly, more engaging or able to collect more data than a human would be able to. And, you know, at which point they're, they're going to be saving uh, money for companies because you could re reposition recruiters to, to focus on other types of things. And the other is if this is a medium through which people like to communicate, um, you could build a platform of, of solutions around that medium. So there are still areas where um, you'll see, and even the CRM space, but you, you, you see the opportunity where a point solution can turn into a platform. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. I think, you, you know, it's, 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 it would be nice to imagine that some of the older, stodgier, big companies would, would open up some greenfield for people to get in there and wedge their way in. But, but it seems to me that, that much of the, the openness of the market in its first generation is not really as um, crisp in the second generation of the technology. What do you think? Yeah. Interesting. Um, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think I think I think Silicon Valley uh, and 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 the technology industry in general got very used to greenfield markets. And yeah. and and in um, human capital, there are none left. Um, and the 
and the decision to go from small to medium-sized companies to the enterprise market is almost always fatal. It's yes. almost always fatal because because when you grow it when you grow a company's roots in the in the small to medium marketplace, um, you learn about being a small to medium player, and the you can't have you can't have an enterprise sales force and a small to medium sales force in the same office because they yeah, no, they're different, different sales teams. Right. So honest. so if you want to move to uh, from the small to medium market to the enterprise market, then what you have to do is start a second company effectively because you have different marketing, different salespeople, and different workflow inside of the product. Um, um, and so it's, a, it's, it's, an, it's an investment to move from SMB to um, enterprise that people notoriously underestimate. Particularly yep. the investors. It, this decision is almost always driven by investors, um, and because they're impatient with the returns and they see the zeros at the enterprise market. But 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 my experience is it kills about ninety percent of the companies who try it. Yeah, and, and when I just so when I talk about toy solutions scaling into platforms, et cetera, I'm I'm talking about generally companies that started their their life wanting to be enterprise solutions. Um, rather than starting an SMB and moving into the enterprise. And you know, the truth is, it is hard. It is hard to start out wanting to focus on the enterprise. I could tell you, I could tell you, you know, just simply um, some of these early stage companies just don't have the resources to be able to service a company that's so large. Um, even some of the requirements around the insurance they need to carry. So like we had one company that required one of our early stage services to have car insurance, and they don't even have cars. <laughs> Um, you know, so there's, it, it is a difficult path. It's a bit more, you know, it's obviously more expensive to build a business focusing on that um, space, but, you know, there are folks trying to do it. Interesting. So who are some of the companies that you, that you guys are involved with? So we have a company called InterviewJet. Um, they're one of the first companies out of the incubator. Um, and so InterviewJet is um, like Hire.com. So... They go out and they, we call it, it's in the e-staffing category. So these are staffing firms enabled by technology. So in their case, they go out and they find the top 10 um, with the people within very specific niches. So Salesforce developers, front-end developers, uh, et cetera, and they feature them in an email to hiring managers. And so what that's allowed them to do is, um, one, leveraging tech on the sourcing side allows them to find candidates cheaper this marketing positioning of telling a candidate that you're going to be featured in front of 400 companies in one shot, you know, it makes, makes candidates interested in what they're doing and being featured. And um, that this, this function of using email and the system, a self-serve system, allows them to eliminate the need for salespeople. And so ultimately, a company like InterviewJet is able to deliver um, high-quality candidates that are qualified, interested, and ready to work at that company for significantly cheaper than existing um, staffing agencies. And in some cases, um, you know, these these e-staffing companies interview just one of many in the space that are building a similar solution. Many are focusing on different verticals, um, but they're actually starting to offer um, an all-you-can-eat price. So. You could do one placement for let's call it ten thousand dollars, or you could do unlimited in a in a city in a vertical for um, thirty five thousand 
right? And so it's, it's a solution that makes sense for, for certain types of folks. Uh, we have another company called Avrio. Um, Avrio is a chatbot named Rio. Um, they have a matching technology. Um, they're focusing um, uh, on staffing. Um, they are doing some corporate also, but um, and really what happens is Rio reaches out to candidates, has conversations with them, and matches them towards opportunities. Uh, well, well, you know, for example, if you say you're a Java engineer, Rio has the intelligence to be able to ask if you are able to uh, code in different languages so they can add more to your resume to make you a better match for jobs within the system. And they um, then share that match, matched information, that new, all that additional data that was collected with the recruiters um, at the company. Um, uh, Take the Interview is a company that many of you might know was actually one of the original companies that started working out of our office um, in the early days here. Um, we don't have any, um, you know, any equity in them, um, but they, they started here when we had, um, we, you know, we really, we evolved first as a co-working space and then into an incubator, and so they were here when we had that co-working space, and actually they are still here in our building on the 16th floor, but uh, no longer working out of our offices. Um, and they've, they've grown pretty, pretty quickly. Um, we have a company called HireHYR.Work. They're uh, a template marketplace of hospitality workers, um, and they have this cool um, way to reward workers, um, you know, with, uh, you know, a, a form of, of days off um, for the work that they do. So they're, uh, they have an interesting uh, marketing approach. Um, there's a number of companies I don't want to bore you guys with. <laughs> all this info. But I could tell you one of the really, you know, what, what working with these companies allows us to do is to really get under the covers and see, you know, what buyers are saying about them and wh where they're having trouble scaling. And one of the biggest problems that we see in this space is that both the companies, so the companies, the, the large um, companies that are trying to use these technologies have trouble making a business case for what this technology is going to do. And also the startups don't really know what metrics they, these companies are tracking them against, so they do a really bad job at communicating their their you know offering to the to the large organizations, and so you have two people that don't do a good job at communicating with each other, and it generally leads to failure. Got it, got it. So so what? Tell me more about the services that you offer um, talent acquisition teams in large companies. Yes, yeah, so the advisory practice is a year-long membership, and we, you know, we have a, a few um, demo days where we'll feature companies that we believe are, you know, interesting to to companies of their size. Um, we, we we have a executive briefing where we're talking to these um, these heads of talent um, about trends in the space, where things are going. So if they're thinking of of getting a new ATS or a new CRM. They'll have an idea as to where things will be in, in two years um, so that they can position themselves correctly. Um, we have group-led research. So we, together, they all work on a research report um, that we put together. They have access to a lot of content library where we share. So, you know, traditionally, we've shared trend reports and um, uh, insight reports uh, publicly online. Um, most of that research moving forward is going to be locked behind this paywall that only members will have access to. Um, so, you know, they have access to that data 
And, you know, really in the end, they, they have access to our, our analyst team here, so they get, as a function of, of that program, uh, eight analyst hours. Um, but what we say is, hey, send us every company that is pitching you, and we'll tell you whether we believe it's a good fit for your, your solution, because we'll understand their tech stack, and we'll be able to say, hey, it integrates, and, and it's worthwhile looking at, or hey, you should also check out these three technologies that um, are doing similar types of things that might be more relevant. Got it. So, so why don't you um, tell us how people can get in touch with you to uh, learn more? So the best we we have our website um, talenttechlabs.com. Um, you know, you could browse around. We have still have lots of um, content up there. Our, our talent acquisition technology ecosystem that John mentioned um, is downloadable, and you could actually download some of the old versions as well. We we update it about twice a year now. We have contact forms on there. You can email me, which my email is uh, just the letter J at talenttechlabs.com, and um, you know I'll get you connected within the organization to the right person for, for your needs. Great. So thanks for taking the time to do this, John. It's been great to get to know you a little bit and, and hear about the really interesting work that you're doing at Talent Tech Labs. Thanks for taking the time to do this. Thank you for having me. Fantastic. We've been talking with Jonathan Kestenbaum, who is the Managing Director of Talent Tech Labs. They're in New York City, and they are part incubator and part investor and part market analyst and part talent acquisition department consulting. And it's an interesting firm. You ought to check them out. You've been listening to HR Executive Conversations on the HR Examiner Radio. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. 